Hello, everyone. It is a podcast. We're some nerds, and we have a podcast, and you're listening to Some Nerds Have a Podcast. Welcome. My name's Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And Orange Man is gone. Hooray. Are we ready to not care about politics anymore? Man, they're going to go back to being boring. Uh, The day one of Joe Biden's presidency is here and upon us. And uh, I don't know. Does does it feel any different to you? Does it? (laughs) Oh, not yet. Not yet. We'll we'll see. Are the kids still in cages? I thought that would be like a day one thing. No, no, they can wait. Just just let them have it for this one day. Just let them celebrate. It's a big it's an important occasion. Those kids in cages can wait another day. That was that was like the the number one like people are listing off all the things that Biden's planning on doing on his day one. It's like there's a lot of like admirable things. There's a lot of things. It's like yeah, and then there's like nothing about the fact that we, as a country, own, operate, and run concentration camps. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I mean it wouldn't be. I the was kind of hoping that would be a little higher on the list, but you know, we'll it see. would not be the first time that we had done that. Yeah, I was listening to I was listening to NPR this morning and they were like, yeah, all the apparently he did sign a bunch of executive orders. And um, so we're going to rejoin the WHO. Um, We're rejoining the Paris Accord Mm -hmm. um, or the Paris Climate Agreement where he support fracking stopped the Keystone Pipeline. So he rescinded the presidential permit on the Keystone Pipeline. And then when they talked about immigration, it was he's pushing through a massive, a sweeping immigration bill in the words of NPR. Now, will that ultimately, what, what's going to happen to that bill? I don't know. Um, there is like a pathway currently as it stands, there is a pathway to citizenship for the 11 million undocumented um, people living in America right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that gets gutted um, and what happens to that. But there was no like official, I may be buried somewhere in there. I don't know about, about the concentration camps on the border. So but we're excited. <laughs> we're so excited. We just can't hide it. Yeah. Um. So we're very like low energy. This is a very like low energy podcast today, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. But but uh, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, a new dawning of a new era, so far the same as the old era, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're just so jaded. Maybe we're just just so like I feel like Ruined. yeah, maybe that's part of it. That I don't know because I, I spent a lot of time scrolling through Facebook today. Because while I was at work, there was very little actual work for me to do, so I was just kind of because you're a white collar worker in America. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and so I was just kind of scrolling through my Facebook feed, and it was a lot of people celebrating. And like, I just, I don't know. I felt very depressed because every person that I felt I saw celebrating it was just a person that I was thinking, 
okay, so I can't count on you for the next four years. Like, you're done. Like, I know you're saying, oh, it's just for today. Let us celebrate for today. But I feel like, no, you're, you're done. You're out of the fight. Like, if, if this was all that it took, then it wasn't really about all the things that you were saying it was about. It was literally just about the orange man being bad. And the orange man is bad. And I'm glad that he's gone. And that is certainly a step in the right direction, but it's not enough of a step in the right direction for me to feel like celebrating it. And there were yeah. 10 years yeah. between um, what was the, the brew hall. Yeah. Hitler's brew hall and the beer hall push. A beer, the beer hall, hall push. push. That's what it is. Yeah. I, I was like, there's, there's a specific historical term that I cannot remember. And then his actual ascent to power. Yeah. And I mean, granted, like Trump has already ascended to power, but I mean, there are a lot of people and rightfully so, you know, historians and political scientists who've been saying like the next Trump, our next authoritarian, like we've opened the door. It is going to suck more next time. And, um, you know, and just like a lot of people being like, yeah, that the adults are back in charge. Right. And it's like literally the I, same I people know. who were in charge immediately before Trump came to power the first yeah. time. Yeah. And so I'm just like, okay, so we're just not going to talk at all about all of the factors that led to Trump's rise in the first place. We're just, we're just going to act like things are okay now and we can stop thinking about them. Great. Cool. Awesome. So I'm just, I'm very, I feel very depressed today. Like a lot of people are celebrating and I feel like it, those who are, are kind of missing the bigger picture. Yeah. I, I agree there. But yeah, I don't know. It is a step in the right direction. It is a, a, a minuscule teeny tiny like nanometer of a step in the right direction and i am seeing like he is trying to do like the 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 travel ban is gone which is mm -hmm. you know you know what that's a good thing i will say it that is a good the thing of, the end of the the keystone pipeline that surprised me right because and i was like, like yeah that's a great thing to have not I, happen i saw people talking about that like oh yeah he's undoing all this stuff from the trump administration and then one of the things that they would mention is the Keystone Pipeline. I'm like, that's sort of under that Obama. That wasn't the Trump administration. <laughs> was Obama. It certainly like, got it, worse. It under got Trump worse era. under Trump. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But like, that was an Obama era thing, my guys. Like, let's 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 reel it in here. Let's be let's let's talk let's talk about the truth. Like, and so like that. Yeah, that is a huge surprise, um, but a pleasant one. Um, that is one <laughs> to be sure. Yeah. But, you know, and getting back into the Paris, uh, like the Paris Accords, like though that's that's good. Again, it is Bare minimum literally the yeah. least that you could do. <laughs> yeah. But at least you're doing the least you can do on the first day. Yeah. So maybe that means that actual things will happen in the future. I, I'm not holding out a whole lot of hope. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling very like like doomed today. I mean, it, it is it is. So there's there's that that kind of aura of doom about it. And I get that um, there is, however, I think. Because, like, if you compare it to 
to the beginning of to like the the Obama administration, right? Right. And everyone came into that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and all like gung-ho and and you know, including that. myself. And I will I will admit yeah. that like fully like cuz I, mean, I was you know, I was to the left of center during the Bush years, like, like rather like probably further to the left than most. Um, but I was still like, you know, I believed in the Democratic Party back then. Um, I was a Howard Dean guy in 04. Damn, <laughs> yeah. that's a that's a thing to admit. I, I mean, compared to the rest of the people who were running that year, I, I don't I'm not ashamed of that. You know, and I and I liked I liked Kucinich maybe a little bit more. He was a little goofier, but I didn't think he could win. Yeah, but I was uh, like, all right, Dean's all right. I, I was I was eleven and 04. So <laughs> Shut the fuck I, up. I worked in high school. Like it's not like I I, I couldn't vote for that election, yeah. but I was close enough to being able to vote that I was following it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my first vote for president, uh, for in my first presidential primary was for Barack Obama. And then my first presidential election was for Barack Obama. And I was like, yeah, Bush is out of office. Like Barack Obama, like he gave that speech in hope and change. He gave that speech in what was it? 2004 when he he kind of like burst onto the scene. And like, I was very, very excited about that. And I was like looking forward. He was talking about healthcare and all this stuff that was really important to me. And it's like, okay, well he's, he's not going to go as far as I would like him for him to go, but like, he seems reasonable. So like maybe the Republicans would work for him. And then like, as those eight years crept on, I started being more and more like, why is nothing happening? (laughs) But yeah, sorry. I interrupted what you were saying. Cause no, 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 that's great. Cause that's like the point I wanted to get to is that you had this kind of wearing down of yourself over eight years of Obama and you hadn't been blessed with Trump before that. Like we had Bush before that, but we didn't have the Trump before that. And so I think there's going to be people that might be in those group of people that you think, oh, they're, they're excited now. I think that they might go on a similar journey, but more quickly. I hope that you're right. Biden. But here's the problem. Like, People forget how much Bush was like really disliked for Mm -hmm. a lot of his presidency by people just kind of generally on the left, like not necessarily like full on lefties, but, you know, people who are like, yeah, healthcare reform would be nice. Like those kind of people, Mm -hmm. like those people hated George Bush and for good reason. George Bush is a monster. Like, yes, let's not win sports about it. Yeah. But like, criminal and a terrible person. And those same people now are like, oh, George Bush, he's not as bad as Trump. And it's like, yeah, Trump, Trump is fucking terrible. Um, Trump, you know, he's, he's, again, he is a monster. Uh, for But for different reasons. And like, Bush has just been rehabilitated. And I'm just worried that whoever runs for the Republicans in four years is going to do the same sort of rehabilitation for Trump. Well, it's like, oh, well, Trump was really bad, but he's not as bad as this person. Yeah. Like, it's just I'm worried that it's just going to keep happening because like I saw people who I know good, like good and well during the Bush presidency 
fucking hated George Bush, like tweeting pictures of George Bush and Michelle Obama palling around today. Yeah. Like, Ew. oh, they're so cute together. Like, no. Ew, garbage. George Bush is responsible for the death of a million Iraqis. Like, he is one of history's greatest monsters. Mm-hmm. And like to just like act like he's not now because he's not Donald Trump is a problem. And I yeah. really and like that's one of the things that really has me down. Mm-hmm. And like like I, I do think that that is a, a big a big part of it. You're right. Um, but however, I do also think that the fact that how all the problems that we deal with white supremacy with everything else that, that is been brought to the fore is not going to go away. Right. And is only going to get worse. Uh, and you know, maybe my, my doom and gloom hat is on, but I do think we will be dealing with a low level insurgency. If not, we have been already, um, <laughs> you know, of, of the sort that you see in other countries where, uh, we get it in the news. Um, but like it's 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 not going away and no amount of being happy if Joe Biden is here is going to make it go away. Uh, I, I, I just I just hope that eventually these people that are like having a day today are going to realize, oh, shit, no, this isn't great. Joe Biden's actually pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. But we'll see. We'll see. We can hope. I I will say this I, though. One one thing that does that does give me hope that because you were saying that you don't think that those like the the white supremacists are going to go away and like low level insurgency and like that is definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was been thinking about this since the last time we recorded. Um, and I've been thinking a lot because I spent I spent a lot of time in my youth watching the History Channel. And for whatever reason, the History Channel had like three or four documentaries that they would break out every couple of months mm-hmm. when I was in high school about like was it the one about Hitler? Was it the one about Hitler? No, 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 no. This is actually it's actually um, it's probably one of the reasons why I I keep I keep uh, plugging behind the bastards now because it kind of hit that same button for me. It, mm-hmm. There was like one about um, like the history of the Ku Klux Klan. And one about like the history of like neo-Nazis in America. And they're like really, really interesting. And I've been thinking about those um, because the, the like racist right wing, like the, the really like hyper racist, like white nationalist neo-Nazi branch of the white wing or the right wing was really had a moment during the the Clinton administration. Like in the early years of the Clinton administration, they were really on the rise. Um and it kind of happened like, you know, after Ruby Ridge, uh where, you know, those like uh, that family of like kind of right-wing like separatists, like like survivalists were were killed by the um was the the ATF I think uh like raided their their compound and like killed the dog and like all this stuff and like so they they kind of the right wing kind of rallied around them 
And that built into the militia movement, which ultimately culminated at the bombing of uh, the Oklahoma City Federal Building. And then after that happened, a lot of people who were kind of on the fence and were like becoming like fascist sympathizers, I suppose, like not necessarily full on like white nationalists themselves, but were becoming sympathetic with like the fascist and racist militia movements mm-hmm. kind of fell away. So like people who were like on the fence of joining those movements fell away after Oklahoma city. And I'm wondering if these, the attack on the Capitol two weeks ago was not that moment for this nascent, like white supremacist movement that, that we're kind of living through. Like if that's the moment where a lot of people who like maybe weren't do like, like weren't a proud boy or like, you know, didn't really go all in on cue, but like they were aware of these things and like sympathetic towards people who believed in them or who were like proud boys, or maybe they like listened to Alex Jones every once in a while. Like, I'm wondering if those people saw what happened at the start of the month. And we're like, oh, no, this isn't what I want to be a part of. Like, it, I don't think enough time has passed to be able to tell yet. But I'm just wondering if that's. It's possible, but I I think there might be one kind of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that the like, I don't know much about Ruby Ridge and I don't know much about the Oklahoma City bombing because I was not born and like a child when they happened. Yeah. And I didn't watch this documentary. Um, but like the kind of figure that they've rallied behind is still alive and is still like there. Right. But and so I, I don't, I, I think that you might be onto something about like a lot of the more moderate supporters of Trump being kind of turned off by it. And especially a lot of like the um, Republicans that had like thrown in their, their lot with Trump to kind of ride on his wake. I think that they've definitely like, left the Trump train. But I do think that a lot of those kind of still hardcore, like cueists, I guess we'll call them. Um, I think that in many cases, it, it they'll just double down on it. And I don't know, it's, 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 a, it's hard to say, it, it's yeah. really hard to say. I um, mean, maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm also seeing a lot of posts one of the re- and one of the reasons why I was kind of thinking what I thought is I have been seeing posts from like Q like Reddit boards and things like that, mm-hmm. where there are people who were just they're melting down because they're like, why is Biden being sworn in? How come the military is not stepping in to stop him? Where's Trump? I thought he was going to like see us through all this and like Trump fucking left town early on the day like this morning or like you know yesterday for the people listening like and i think that that again for like the people let's say who are like moderately pilled right like they they just like they they put the the red pill in their mouth and they're like you know gulping it down with a glass of water you know that's maybe gonna make them do a spit take Mm -hmm. you know what i mean (laughs) yeah like (laughs) If with, with at the risk of like mixing metaphors there, but it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like you're right. Like their leader is still alive 
but he's also not really a very good leader. <laughs> like, and and he at this point, I don't think he has to be. I think he just has to be a figurehead. I I think for a certain group of people, you're right. I think yeah. for a certain group who are in this kind of this this nation nascent like ur fascist group within the public Republican Party, I think you're right. But I think a lot of people are starting to have second thoughts. I, there was a former coworker of mine. I'm not going to name any names, but a former coworker of mine um, friended me on Facebook and I thought he was somebody else. So except (laughs) because he has like a very, he has a very common name. I'll say that. And I thought he was someone else who I had worked with. Mm-hmm. And so I accepted it and I looked at his page and was like, oh, it's this asshole. And so I didn't want to unfriend him because I would feel like a jerk, right? Because I just accepted his <laughs> So I just unfollowed him for the next yeah. two years. And I'm like, now I'm like, oh, I'm wondering what that guy is up to. So like ever since the election happened, I've been like occasionally popping in to look at his Facebook feed. And it's just been like, oh, Trump's going to come in. He's going to stop this. All these demo, all these Democrats who think that uh, Biden won the election are going to look so stupid on January 20th when when Trump is inaugurated again. And like each like deadline would pass. Mm-hmm. Like because I, I, I think you're talking about like the 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 um, phenomenon of when like when prophecy fails. Right. And like yes. looking at those like doomsday cults who like the date passes and like doomsday didn't happen and people just double down instead of accepting that they believe the lie. But yeah. like, I think that there's a limit on how you can do that. Right. Cause it's like, Oh, well, you know, they're going to go to all the courts and like the court cases happened and got thrown out. Oh, well the, the Supreme court goes to the Supreme, like Supreme court doesn't even want to hear it. Oh, it's going to go like the day that they're counting the votes on December 14th that went by and it was still Biden. Like everything happened and like it kept Trump kept losing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, and this guy who I would been like checking in on pretty much every few days or at least once a week since November 7th has been consistently posting posts about Trump still has it. Trump's still the president. Biden's not going to be president. January 6th happens. He hasn't posted since. Oh, goodness. And I keep looking. And like the only posts that have been put on his timeline since then are from like another friend, like another friend that he has who seems to be like moderately left of center posting like pro Hillary Clinton and pro pro Joe Biden memes on his page that he's just not responding to in any way. So it's like people like that. It's like, I don't, I think he's out. I think that the January 6th was it for him Mm -hmm. or like maybe not that day, but like the immediate aftermath, like the, the days and weeks that followed that day when you know, they, they did their big push and nothing happened. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know. That's, that is one thing that does make me feel pretty, pretty okay. And I feel like I've been talking a lot, but it's just, I don't know. It's something I've been thinking a lot about over the last two weeks. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, no, it's, it's something that we're, we're just going to have to, to see. Like there's, I don't think. I don't think any of us are as skilled a political analyst 
to uh, to know what the future will hold for that. That is true. Yeah, I, I'm I'm perfectly willing to admit that I'm wrong, but I'm just like. But I do hope that you're right. Yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, um, I do know uh, they were talking that Trump is apparently making noise about starting a new party. Yeah, I heard about that. Which you know, I I guess it'll take votes away from the Republicans. I guess if I mean, you care about that. I that would kind of be the best thing, honestly, (laughs) like, like, because, okay, so like, if Trump breaks off and creates an alt right, like a far right party, right? Yes. Um, The Patriot Party is what he's yeah tentatively calling it the patriot is so okay so if they break off and they become the patriot party the stupidest, like, which is the stupidest the fucking we thing. love america party like at best he gets 60 percent of republicans right right mm-hmm. like that that that'll be a big schism in the republican party mm-hmm. um which would greatly help the democrats what would be the problem is if Democrats then double down on the unity narrative mm-hmm. and don't allow the the progressive wing of the party to continue pushing the party to the left. Yeah. The, right? the yeah. yeah. I mean, what the, would be fucking great is if like both parties just split and we ended up having four fucking parties. Yeah. You know, like that would be kind of like the ideal. I, I had that know? same thought today when I like, saw that story. Like if we could make like the the DSA like a real thing in America. Yeah. Um because I I guess that would that well, would we'd probably call it something fucking stupid like the progressive party or some bullshit. Well, or like not stupid like the working families party is the party in New York. I would be okay um, with that. That is that thing with the word working in it, as yeah. long as it's not like, you know. The Labour Party. With, yeah. th- that was actually technically the party that AOC was stumping for back mm. in November. Yeah. Um, and in the, the lead up leading to the election. And that was one of the things that she kept saying was like, you can still vote for Joe Biden, but you can vote for him under the working par- working families platform um, because of the way that it, it worked. It like he was also technically their chosen candidate. But in saying that, it's still sending a message to the Democratic Party. So that's. I think knowing AOC, knowing the values of the squad, and you're looking at mostly a group of mothers, you know, I mean, like AOC is not, but like Talib and um, why am I blanking on the one from Michigan's name? Oh my God. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, the other members of the squad are all moms. So I think that that would be something that they would kind oh, of coalesce around. Ilan Omar is that the no Elaine Omar? I knew Alan Omar, and then Talib. No, okay, Rashida I got Talib. Rashida Talib. I got the names, and then um, are both moms, and so I think they would also coalesce underneath the working families platform and the working families name. And since it's already got brand recognition in New York. I think it would be easier to spread that out and roll that out across the country. And then I think you would get someone like Katie Porter, right, to go underneath that umbrella. Like mm-hmm. I could see, you know, she's somebody, she's not quite to the same left and level as the squad. But I mean, Katie Porter's fucking yelled at some uh some some goddamn CEOs on the on the Congress floor. So 
<laughs> you know, so it's like I think I think that would probably be their best bet if they were going to break off um from the party. And I think they also need to do something that's less <sighs> I th- I think if they're going to coalesce underneath a party name, it needs to be something that hits like Patriot Party hits in a place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we would cringe at it, right? But there are people that it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm yeah, a patriot. People, there are people who would eat that shit up. Yeah, yeah like you yeah. need some sort of banner that makes people feel like you're you're truly listening to them and you're truly, I mean, because as much of a shithead as he is, people got that feeling from Trump, right? Even though it is patently false, even though we yeah. all know that like he, ne- he never is fucking listening to these people. Um, and they're, they're, inherent interest would be we'd be better served under a different politician um there are there at least their class interests but i mean that's also not true because there's also like a huge number of them are just fucking upper upper middle class white yeah. dudes who like, like have a bunch of money and don't want to give it to anybody um but i i think if you're going to do it i don't think democratic socialist is the way to go in this country i still think like they, they like people have laid a lot of groundwork to make sure that that term is toxic, mm. even though we all actually like 70% of Americans agree with universal health care. Right. Um, but I think the working families party, I think would tap into that place. I, I, I think the I think that name taps into a similar place for a different group of people. If that makes Possibly. sense. Yeah. It also, I mean, it, Possibly, but it also does sound like a very specific party where like, like, like I was poo-pooing it earlier. I mean, like, are you, a word, are you, the, are you somebody that is not working and or a member of a family? Uh, I'm saying it sounds like that. What I'm saying though is, um, although I don't like the name, the word progressive party hits in a similar way like having having multiple words in a party name like you know democratic socialist party or working family party or or like that that kind of it doesn't have the same punch from like an optics perspective yeah. uh but what i wanted to to make the point of is that if the patriot party becomes a thing so stupid <laughs> if it becomes a thing then it may be in the short term, like like we mentioned, a great thing that, that it splits the Republican Party and makes it, you know, weaker. But it may in the long run end up with a the Democratic Party willing to work more with the Republican Party, the whatever's left of it. Right. And B, it may end up eventually because we live in a system that, you know, likes you to probably two society? parties. Pardon? Nothing. I'm saying we because the United States is a system that perpetrates two parties, you may end up with the quote-unquote Patriot Party eventually replacing and subsuming the place that the Republican Party had. Yeah. And so, because that's, that's what happens in past, like, elections, yeah. like in the 1800s, where you would have a new party show up that filled a similar niche, like that old party would disappear and the new party yeah. would be doing poorly at first. And, and then, then eventually it would, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's kind of unless there's major change to the electoral system, which I don't see happening under Biden. 
Yeah. I don't think that that's necessarily going to to be the multi-party parliamentarian democracy that we would probably be okay with. Yeah. Um, I, I would also say, yeah, I, I would also say that, I mean, it, it's going to go, it's going to go one of two ways, right? Or maybe perhaps one of three ways where you could also be like, um, the reform party in the nineties or the bull moose party in like the early or the early part of the 20th century, you know, where it like, it shows up, it gets a lot of attention for like five minutes, mm-hmm. but then like, it just ultimately can't gain th- that kind of traction. Yeah. And it, because it is based around like a cult of personality around Trump, Putting it with the the likes of the Bull Moose Party is probably a better comparison. Than or like, like the, the Reform Party, which was very much built around the cult of personality of uh, Ross Perot. Because I'm, as far as I'm aware, was he not like the only like person to run as a Reform candidate for president? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know a whole lot about Ross Perot. Okay. Um, and, and ironically enough, Donald Trump was a member of the Reform Party at one point in history, if I'm remembering correctly. Is that so? I think so. Anyway. Uh... <sighs> Man. So. We've talked politics for the, per- for the first 30 minutes. We've done our, our, I guess, political half hour, which is what we end up normally doing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we've been doing that for the last few weeks, well, the yeah. last few months, but it's like, you know, there's been a we've lot of for like, We've been doing that for years. We always start with the goddamn news. Um, but is there been, uh, do we want to, do we have anything more to say about the goddamn news or is there uh, anything else? I don't, Elise. Bernie had really cute mittens. He did have adorable mittens. Adorable mittens. <laughs> and a nice jacket too. Yes. Apparently, yeah. apparently some people have been complaining that his like, oh, Bernie Sanders says he's a man of the people, but that jacket costs seven hundred dollars. It's like maybe, but like that's also the only jacket we've ever like, seen him wear. <laughs> Clearly he just has the one. He spent the uh, money to get that one jacket. And listen, gonna, I'm gonna get the use, I'm gonna get my seven hundred dollars worth out of this jacket. <laughs> I can have a little a jacket as a treat. I I would like to imagine that if we were watching the Bernie Sanders inauguration, that that would still be what he would be wearing. Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. I don't think I don't think he changed. I mean, clearly, like he have the the jacket and like the envelope. I know people have been making these jokes on Twitter all day, but like, like wait, what was it like? I was on my way to the post office. I had to drop by Joe's thing. Listen, I'm not buying a new jacket for this person. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck was in that envelope? That's the Green New Deal. He came to deliver it personally. <laughs> I'm not wasting a stamp. <laughs> like, I, I saw someone uh, uh, do a post with that where they like zoomed in and it was like a copy of uh, Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. <laughs> And it's like, man, if we lived in the timeline where where Bernie had won, that anime would be out now instead of being <laughs> delayed again. I also like. I wonder. I wonder if it was like, uh, one of my grandchildren's into Lady Gaga. Like, I don't want to support Joe, but at the same time, it'd be nice to get her a signature for my grandkid. <laughs> Maybe that's what was in it. It's a it's a, pay, it's a photo for a signature, uh, uh. and like like all all the other ones about like oh man 
Like Uncle Bernie, Uncle Bernie clearly just got up and was going to go to the bodega for a bagel and locks and got lost at the inauguration. (laughs) Pivoting back to the Reform Party for just Uh, one second. When Donald Trump ran for president in 2000, he tried to get the Reform Party nomination, but he lost it to Pat Buchanan. That's all I needed to say about that. (laughs) Uh, All right. I like how the Green Party is effectively dead, though. Oh, it's like none of them are jumping ship to the Green Party. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, (laughs) we're either making a new one (laughs) or we're making the Democrats better. (laughs) Nobody wants anything to do with you, Green Party. Howie was... Howie was the Green Party nominee. Howie was the Green Party nominee. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna commit uh, political suicide and say yes. I voted for Howie Hawkins in the last election. Um, God, in 2020. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's fine because we live in a blue state, but you shouldn't be proud of that, Alex. I I was going to do that if he were actually on the ballot. Like that was kind of my Yeah, how do you do that? He wasn't on our ballot. No, you vote right. He wasn't on the ballot, but he was a write-in. And um I felt I felt okay, so like in the in the two twenty twelve presidential election, uh I was supporting the Democratic Socialist Party or the uh, what is it called? Um Socialist Party USA. Yeah. Um and they had a candidate and I wanted to vote for them and they also weren't on the ballot and I didn't realize that you could write them in. Uh, and so I ended up voting uh, for Obama anyway. And it's like, I, I ended up voting for Obama anyway in 2012. And it's like, well, yeah, he won again. Uh, and then this time I'm like, well, I, I can't, I have to. And so I did. Um, <laughs> that's fair. No, that's not, I, I don't consider that a political suicide. I think that's fine. Like I said, I, I very, very nearly did that myself. God like, damn it, I, I Nicholas. I really had to shut think up. about it for a long time. Nope. I, so I had to be Nicholas's witness because <laughs> um, we did vote by mail because we're not, you know, dum-dums trying to get out there and get sick. You call I, me a dum-dum? Yeah, I am actually. Yeah, you oh, should okay. have voted by mail. Um, I'm sorry. It is super easy. Want- <laughs> um, yeah, to be fair, our... our state anyway um but yeah like nick was like sitting there and i was like babe no no you have to vote i know i know but you have to fucking vote for him like (laughs) you can complain the entire time oh i will i voted for (laughs) him so now he works for me that's the way that works where's my money yeah Nick. if i had been your witness anyway and in fairness a lot of that was because i was actually like reading the ballot measures yeah and like mulling over the ballot measures i think we talked more about that we we did we we talked to we talked more about the ballot measures um back in november um Mm -hmm. which there's just always in virginia i don't i want to know i know we don't have any listeners we hit, we don't have any listeners, but if you're a listener and you live in a different state, I really want to know, like, if this is just a Virginia thing, because I suspect that it is but, like every time there's a ballot measure, it is something that like just slightly shaves off more and more taxes for veterans. <laughs> like right, every yeah. single or, time. Or veterans or like, like veterans wives or like, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. It's like some new, like, like, and we'll take off two. And now now veterans 
who are 90% or higher more disabled will not have to pay 60 or more percent of their their car tax during this year like it's something it's something so minute but it's like every, every year. fucking year every, every year. Fucking year it's like you don't have to pay you you now pay 0.3% less in income tax <laughs> prior Spouses. to like it's something it's something insane and i feel like this is only in virginia and i'm using like like the the that voice that people use when they're making fun of southerners but it's like it is it, like we are like this stupid brand of like <laughs> like southerners like we're we are the cross section of like southerners and goddamn policy wonks <laughs> and then you get virginia and it's just every fucking year there's a new ballot measure that's just like and i'm like can we just say like they don't get taxed they don't get taxed for anything forever okay we're done <laughs> we're done with the ballot measures for, for veterans Vet- veterans do not have to pay for parking uh <laughs> they will like, not have to pay the sales tax if they go to a Starbucks. However, if they go to a Dunkin' Donuts, all taxes pay. on alcohol at the ABC do not apply to veterans. Yes, because yeah. like, over the age of sixty-five, well, you have to say all you have to say is veterans in that in whatever ballot measure you want, and it's automatically going to. It's pass automatically going to pass. Like, and so I'm like, can we do that for something cool? Like, I don't know. Like, if you veterans are a- and workers shall own the means of production, it's right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, if you are a veteran and you want to put a windmill in your backyard for power, <laughs> the state will give you $10,000 to do that. Like, I don't know. It would be nice. It would just be nice. There you go. That's a free policy idea to the many people in our General Assembly who I know listen to our podcast. <laughs> Speaking of people in our general assembly, there is some more news. Oh. Uh, well, that we didn't talk about last time and we haven't talked about this time. And that's that our good old pal Lee Carter is running for governor. That's true. He is. Our good old pal Lee Carter. Yeah. Close personal friend of the show, Lee Carter. <laughs> Actually, I sent that motherfucker an email and he, he never, never responded. responded. It, did, so... it did in fact turn out that he was not our, our, our delegate. So I think that might be the reason why. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You know what, complainy lady? I don't have to listen to you because you live two miles from my border. <laughs> it's like you should could you at least have forwarded it to Danica Rome, who I think is actually like our, our delicate I feel like I've given up way too much information about where we live. Oh no, those those listeners, there's zero in on your location. We're gonna get ducked. They're gonna look up it. who are like where those delegates are. Yeah. Like- well, because it's like they're they're back to back, like those two districts butt up against each other. Um mm. and so anyway, um I'm sorry I called you a motherfucker Lee. I apologize. <laughs> I hope we can move forward with this let's, knowledge. Let's go ride a train together. <laughs> let's go ride a train together. <laughs> we'll take the VRE into DC. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Lee Carter is running for governor, yeah. which is exciting. He's not going to win, but it's Trains. exciting that he's, he's running and maybe know. Maybe we'll get more metro stations. That Trains. would be nice. Trains. 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 I, ha- Trains. I haven't heard Trains. anything about any other Democratic candidate for governor. McAuliffe. Yeah, McAuliffe, McAuliffe. is running again. Was he already governor? He's running He's running on Natty Light and a love of Virginia. Well, what was he already? Oh, he, he was the, the governor. governor. He was the lieutenant governor. 
Yeah, no, he was, no the he was the governor. So in Virginia, for those of you who don't live in our shit state, um, the in Virginia you cannot have two consecutive terms. Like you were you, there being consecutive. So you can run multiple times. You can be governor multiple times, but it cannot be twice in a row. So Terry yeah. McAuliffe was the governor before, before Governor Blackface. I mean Dr. Northam. And <laughs> so he was the one before Dr. Northam. And so he had to have a, a term between him and like he had to have a term before his next term. So he's hey. currently running. He is currently running. And then Lee Carter is challenging for the Democratic primary. And because the Republican Party effectively does not exist in Virginia anymore, we don't really give ballot. a shit, <laughs> at least on a statewide ballot. It's it's going to be it's it's going to be McAuliffe. Like, we're just going to have fucking McAuliffe again, um, which oh. good news for the Piedmont, which is. <laughs> Virginia's version of the onion because yes we are so up our own asses that we have our own version of the onion I think a lot of states have that now though so it's really? not just us yeah. <laughs> but you know it's fair it's so he's doing that thing that Putin does where he's like I'm gonna take a couple years off and then come back and yeah. he's just yeah. gonna do that every year because that's like that's sanctioned by our state yeah, we're able that, to do that, that, yeah. that I mean that happened for a while like yeah. George Allen do two unconsecutive runs yeah goddamn George Allen um, and then someone else you know what actually we should thank George Allen because he's one of the reasons why we can't have yeah. a Republican party in Virginia oh, <laughs> oh we like a Republican for a statewide race <laughs> just said a racial slur on video <laughs> and it's like excuse me this is virginia we say our slurs behind closed yeah, doors we don't we make sure that no one's filming when we say those words <laughs> in the virginia gop <laughs> this ain't georgia sir <laughs> like, that's, that's the virginia gop anyway and that's the reason why we're just going to have fucking Mark Warner as senator forever. Until we die. <laughs> and then we're going to have Mark Warner's head in a jar. And that's going to be our senator. <laughs> and he's going to be like in the 2070s being like, do you know when I made my money on cell phones and everybody's going to be like, grandpa, those aren't a thing anymore. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about something cheery. Let's, let's, All right. Let's get off is is Mark Warner's head in a jar not cheery for you? Mark Warner's head on a something. No, anyway, I'm not going there. <laughs> Senator for life, Mark Warner. Uh, Senator for life, Mark Warner. Uh, uh, um, and apparently so the upper nerd, gem, like, him. anyway. Nerd shit. Nerd shit. Is that we're, what we do here? Is that what our, is our podcast called Some Nerds Have a it's, Podcast? It's on the 10. So yeah, we it's on the 10? Oh, man. I don't know. I, I mean, clearly Alex is chomping at the bit to talk about something. Yeah. I don't know if I've consumed any pop culture, but... We did. We'll, oh, we'll, lower we'll, we'll yeah, let Alex we'll, talk. We'll first. let Alex talk. All right. So uh, it's something not something that I've, I've consumed or done yet, um, but... <laughs> that sounds bad. Uh, it's um, something I am excited for, and that is uh, a Game of Thrones role-playing game. Mm -hmm. so it's not it's it's been out for a while i think it's it actually came out like before the show yeah probably um and it's uh something that a friend of mine found um acquired i should say and uh is getting people together to play a game of and i am super excited to do it uh it basically it it kind of has the idea that everyone is playing associated with a house mm -hmm. of your own creation. Mm. 
So like, so like there's character creation and then there's like house creation, which is collaborative and everyone pitches in ideas as to like, well, what is like the history of this house and what is the uh, kind of location of it and what does the lands of it look like and, and all this kind of stuff that you kind of roll the dice to somewhat get some randomized elements to it and oftentimes just kind of have everyone pitch in. Cool. Uh, you get to kind of choose what the coat of arms looks like, even. So there's a lot of a lot of that, um, and it looks really fun. Uh, and you don't have to be like if you're if you have a character in mind that's not like a, a noble of this house, that's fine. Uh, you could be a, a you know regular common schmo. Uh, it kind of has like a class ranking in built into like the skills. Like, how many skills you have in your class determines, like, how people treat you and shit. So, like, you get to explore, like, feudal class uh, strife and shit like that. Um, but as long as you're, like, a commoner that's associated with this house, like, maybe you're a guards person, or maybe you're uh, a tenant, or, a, a, like, something of that sort that happens to be in the the court of, uh, of this noble, small noble house. Uh, so anyway, I've I've got a couple characters in mind. I'm really looking forward to it. We're trying to get people together to play it, which is always the problem with role-playing games. It's yeah. just trying to get people together that are interested in playing, uh, that have time to play. And uh, I will hopefully have more news about that. Probably not until May, to be honest with you, because of time uh, commitments. But I'm definitely, definitely excited and definitely been reading through the uh, rules of that. So I am... I am uh, raring to go so to speak on that uh, this is totally my pitch to to my co uh co-host hey did you want to did you want to play a game of uh game of thrones rpg uh, <laughs> i don't know um we saw the thing then we were like talking about it but i don't i don't know maybe maybe yeah i don't know i'm we've got time yeah so like it's not there's no rush to to make, come to a conclusion about it no, I mean, I, I'm definitely more interested now that you kind of explained it because I'm like, uh, I just have to play like, uh, you know, one of the many, many faceless horde of jackasses from Game of Thrones. I think I would be like a little ugh, about no, it. No. But, um, you know, you're going to play as Cersei. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> And nothing bad's gonna happen. Nope, though. Nothing bad's gonna happen to Cersei. Nobody, nobody has to face consequences for their actions, except for everyone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that was a weird show. It's sort of weird that like it was so popular for so long, and, and it now it's just disappeared. like completely disappeared from the face of the planet. Um, so I don't know. Be be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's um like I I never watched the show. Um I read the first book, but I didn't really like it. And that's that's weird that I'm so hyped to play this game <laughs> is that I didn't I didn't like the book. Um but I just I just found the idea of playing like like it didn't it wouldn't even have to be in uh Game of Thrones. Like yeah. I think the system is the chronicle system. It's it's the system that was built to to run it. And like, if you've sent that in another setting, I would still be hyped to play like a family of of nobles that might have backstabbing and intrigue, and yeah. shit, as well as like tournaments and stuff like that. And I just kind of run the gambit of that kind of medieval uh, setting. No, 
And I feel like palace intrigue is yeah. not, it's not a feature of a lot of Dungeons and Dragons style. It can be depending yeah. on how the, the, the it is, it is a, run. it is a lot of legwork, I think for the DM yeah. to mm-hmm. create a, a palace intrigue style thing. Whereas like, here's, here's a dungeon. There's some monsters. I think it's just easier um, for people to pull together. But so that's kind of one of the things I'm like, oh, I'm, I am more interested in that because I do like the problem solving and I like the diplomacy aspect of it. Even though as I, I kind of realized we were playing like another role-playing game, we were playing Inspectors, um, which is a super fun. I highly recommend uh, yeah, I've it. I've been enjoying right, Inspectors. Um, What's Inspectors? So... So I'll say the thing that I was going to say, and then I'll, I'll explain expectors. But basically, it kind of it was pointed out to me, or I sort of self-realized that, like, whenever I play a role-playing game, I just default back into, like, theater kid mode. And so, like, I just turn it into an improv exercise, and I tend to prioritize comedy over world building. And so I, I, I wonder how I would do with a more palace intrigue kind of noble, noble house of game of thrones style role-playing because i'm like i don't know if that would be i i would be interesting to see if i'm capable of doing that mm-hmm. um so inspectors inspectors is a game that we have been playing um with a small group of people and the uh, the conceit of the game is that you are a group of ghost hunters on a reality tv show okay i'm and- i'm hype and so you you basically you form your little you form your your group your group of inspectors everybody has like different styles like there's like a scientist there's like hunters there's whatever whatever you want it to be yeah and, not, it's not really a class based system yeah so you just kind of pick what you want to be your strong skills and I think there's only four there's it's only four like to pick technology from. Um, athletics athletics and connections yeah I think is the fourth one yeah. which is basically like like social skills um so you you pick one to be your strength and then you kind of build your character off of that and one of the mechanics and so the reason why it's you're on a reality tv show is because one of the mechanics is called a confessional and so once per game you can take over the narrative as if you are on a reality TV show and you're presenting your confessional of what happened. So if you get stuck in a particular place, you can take over the narrative and say like, and then like, you know, it was so weird. We were in this dark hallway and we saw the goo coming down from the halls. And then like, so-and-so did this amazing thing and you just take it over. Um, and so that's that it's kind of cool. And so the idea, and it sort of breaks itself into like those narrative arcs that you see on reality TV. Um, and so I, I don't know. It's fun. It's a definitely an interesting mechanic. It's, it's a lot of fun to play. I definitely um, am hamming it up. Fun. Yeah. It is, it is, it very is rules light and like storytelling. Yeah heavy yeah and like it gives a lot of it gives people the opportunity to take control of the narrative so like um basically your stats go from one to four and that determines how many d6s you roll if you're doing something so if you come up with an idea okay you get to do it but you're doing the role and here's the stat you need to roll for so if like what you're doing is uh if the idea you come up with involves an athletics role and you have a one in athletics, you can only roll one D six. 
but it's like it, things always succeed on like a five or a six. I think. Yeah. Um, so if you get like if you roll four d sixes and you roll one six, that's a huge success. And so you get to basically at that point take control of the narrative and say, all right, this is what happens as a result of the roll. Um, I don't know. It's it is it is a really uh, it's a fun game. We've been kind of ironing out the kinks with it because like no one really wants to be the main character in this group, which is something that I appreciate. But it also kind of makes it very difficult where like, oh, I have this idea for something that I could do, but I don't necessarily want to do that in case someone else had a better idea. So like that's right. that's sort of a problem we've been running into with it. I gotcha. Um, and Alex, speaking of like Game of Thrones and like that kind of like palace intrigue and, and that's mm-hmm. that kind of a setting. Have I ever pitched uh, Ars Magica to you? I think the name sounds familiar. I think you may have mentioned it, but I don't really remember it. It is a game system that I have always wanted to play, but I've never been able to find anyone who's willing to like dig through and run it. But I okay. think you might be interested in it. Is is that the one that's like you have two characters? You have multiple characters. Okay. Um so it is it, it is set in a mostly like you can you can make it as historically accurate as you want to essentially version of medieval europe with like sort of the only difference is like fairies are real wizards are real like all of those like medieval like uh superstitions are real things and there's like schools of wizards like in mages around europe uh and so you are like all the players are playing as people in and kind of around those schools. So you pick a school to play at or you play to play in. Um, And then you, everyone has a character who is a mage and like two other characters who are like, you know, maybe one's a knight and one's like a peasant in the nearby community or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason for that is because like, because of the different, like the social structure of, medieval europe not every character is really going to be able to do everything involved in the story right right and as the wizard like magic in this world is like very complicated so like you might spend a month casting a spell and so all right what is that character doing they're casting this spell so you have to play as somebody else for a little bit um yeah, you you've definitely told me about this game before, and I I definitely am interested in this game. Um, yeah, I I think the uh, the books are back in print again because I think they were out of print for a while, which is one of the reasons why I've never really gotten into it. But I I'm pretty sure they're back, and I'll I'll maybe see if I can find them and and send them along to you so you can uh, look into that for yourself. Yeah, send send that my way. I'd love to to check that out. Um, and if you ever are trying to get together a group of people to play it, uh, have me down there on that short list. Cause I am definitely interested. Um, like I said, I'm, I would love to play it. I don't know if it's something that I would want to run. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of the one, one of the reasons why I've never played it. Yeah. That's I, always the problem. I will say though, um, on their website, they do have two fiasco scenarios based mm. off of, uh, based off of the setting of the game. Uh, we should play we should play fiasco again too yeah and maybe one day release that episode (laughs) that episode episode is uh, 
is fucked. I know. Like it's the audio fine. is just it's fine. Fucked. <laughs> I just every once in a while I just remember that that episode exists and never has been released. <laughs> and it never will see the light of day. Um but yeah, no that that does definitely sound like a lot of fun too. Uh um but Elise was saying that we haven't consumed anything pop culture. That's not quite true cuz we didn't talk about Adventure Time when we recorded last we time. We didn't talk we about had... Adventure Time and we we watched what? the whole first season of Lower Decks. Yeah. Um which very much grew on us. Yeah, that first episode was a bad first impression. The rest of the show is really, really good. That I, first episode sucks. I think it was uh, the same thing happened to you as happened to me in The Witcher, mm-hmm. where like I watched the first one and I was like, ugh. But then, um, but yeah, we watched the rest of it. It was really fun. I, I feel I feel kind of bad that like, I was like, oh, I maybe misjudged this show too harshly. And then I looked on IMDb to see what like the user ratings were for each episode in the first season. And like the first episode has the lowest user review by a lot. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> oh, it's not just me. Yeah. It's everybody thought that first episode was bad or at least not as good as the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, the, the rest of the season and then like the end of it is just, it's go, it gets surprisingly emotional. Um, but yeah, Lower Decks is, gets really fucking good. Um, and very quickly after that first episode, uh, considering how often Star Trek's like entire first season is just terrible. Yeah. I like, I think, I think people were like really unfair to it. Because they're like, oh, like if you go on like Star Trek ship posting or whatever groups on Facebook, a lot of people have a lot of things to say about Lower Decks. But then we were watching it and it's like, no, like it had one bad bad first episode episode and then the rest of them are really good. And I mean, like the first the first season of TNG is a fucking slog. Yeah. The first two seasons of TNG are a fucking slog with like very few exceptions. Um, I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of people be very positive to Lower Decks. Which is one of the reasons I've, why I went back to it. Yeah, I I was very interested in the concept of it because I always love like the the lower decks kind of episodes or like the, yeah. the 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 downstairs episodes of upstairs downstairs. Like like what is it about <laughs> the common folk? Um, and so I want to I want to hear more about it. I do want to if there's any major spoilers, if you could avoid That's those because I am thinking of like the next day I have off. Um, like doing a free trial of CBS All Access, watching it, and then canceling that trial. No, I think um, that's smart. It's CBS All Access, just as a heads it's, up, it's is a, a garbage streaming service. Yeah. <laughs> like the app itself is just really buggy. It's it's poorly made. And they At do least the one for PlayStation 4, because I haven't tried it anywhere else. And they do like commercial cuts, not where they planned them. So like we'll be we'll we'll watch something and it'll cut three seconds before the actual planned cut uh, for the commercial and it's just really really frustrating because yeah, really, you end up losing some really good jokes. Um, that sounds and attention. super annoying. It is very annoying. It is very frustrating. So. Again, I don't know if that's the case for like like maybe if you stream it on like another device or you do like on your laptop and maybe you'll be it'll be better, but. The PlayStation, the PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4, whatever fucking PlayStation we're on, <laughs> um, is the, the app is not great. Um, how did like a spoiler free? It's. It's. Like, <laughs> like, it's how Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead. 
in space for star trek kind of yeah without like the without the like existentialism more more communism i guess than existentialism Because there's a lot about how, like, oh, well, we in the lower decks, we stick together. Like, we watch out for each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the main character, this isn't really a spoiler because you find it out in, like, the first episode. The main character was, like, on the officer track and she really hated being an officer. And so she's now, like, the most demoted officer in, like, Starfleet history. So she's, like, back down to Ensign again. <laughs> Right. Um, but she's like extremely competent and like she like has one of those like prickly exterior kind of characters who like genuinely does care about her friends. But she has a lot of like really fair criticisms of Starfleet. Yeah. And the thing that I really like about lower decks and, and Nick can can jump in here if he disagrees. I, the thing that I really appreciate about Lower Decks is it very much feels like maybe not quite a leftist criticism of the Democratic Party, but I like that they're kind of they're picking on liberals from a further left perspective. Yeah, no, that's one hundred percent. That's uh, what I meant. Like that's why I said it's like, oh yeah, it's like it's, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but with communism instead of existentialism. Yeah, and like, and sort of like one of the things that they consistently are bringing up is like the bureaucratic fumblings of of Starfleet and how that leads to a lot of issues further down the line. And I think to a certain extent, a little bit, it was supposed to be a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Hey, hey, presumably like white, you know, liberal who is watching this between the ages of 18 and, and, and 44. Um, <laughs> what do you think this episode's about <laughs> folks? It- so that that I, I think is very fun and I don't know like I think The Good Place is the only other show that I can think of that scratches that similar itch. Mm. There's a, there's a lot of shows there are a lot of liberal shows that pants on conservatives. Like I feel like that's a pretty consistent thing in pop culture, but it's it's fun to see and there's certainly moments of conservatives like picking on liberals and needling liberals. And you see a lot of that in popular culture as well. I think it's, you don't see it as often where you have a leftist or a leftist perspective needling, um, needling, needling more like liberal to moderates. Yeah. Cause the, the, the mm-hmm. kind of recurring theme of like each episode is no, we have to do this the Starfleet way. We need to go through and do all the paperwork and treat things with respect. And then there's, okay, we could do that. Or we could do the thing that's actually going to help people and just ignore these proper procedures. You know what would be better in this situation? Anarchy. Yeah, yeah. No, it would be better <laughs> if we didn't do any of that. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so that's like, that's the fun part about Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really excited for the second season just because they left it. Um, uh, they yeah, left it in a place where I didn't weird place where I didn't expect them to. So I'm really looking forward to, and it'll be interesting because it could go either way where they progress the show narratively, or they just do the sitcom thing of, Oh, we're going to do this big reveal. And then two episodes later, everything will, will come back to send or come back to, yeah. to square one. Yeah. Cause it was like, 
every episode would be like, okay, these guys are like right back where they started. Oh, Boimer was going, thought he was going to get a promotion and then he didn't get that promotion. Like, but then like the last episode happens and Mm -hmm. the last episode of the season has a whole lot of shit go down that I will not spoil. Um, but. And some really fun cameos. It's some really fun cameos. Um, so we'll tease that for you. Um, but absolutely like, I mean, it's 10 episodes. Each episode is only is less than half an hour. Like you'll, you'll get through in an afternoon. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. We could do a more in-depth, uh, discussion of everything in the next episode. I'm I'm going to be especially interested to hear what you have to say about that first episode because again I I hated it I hated that first episode enough that I didn't want to come back to it I wonder and then I changed my mind to some of that was like it was I mean lower decks was being built up for such a long time and the title of the show itself comes from a really beloved episode of TNG yeah. so I think there was like a lot of hype and that first ep- it's a first episode. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I th- th- I feel like the tone of the first episode was is very, rare, very different from the rest of the series. That was my complaint about The Witcher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like that was my exact same complaint about The Witcher. Um, but yeah, if you can just get past the first episode and then just keep watching it, because that was the other thing too. We watched it when it premiered, so there was there was so much time between the first episode and the second episode that it was like it didn't feel worth it to go back and again because um, the the cbs all access app is just fucking terrible it's it's pretty garbage <laughs> and so we try to avoid it when we can um it's right not at, that we're advocating for people to go on the high seas of the internet it's it's only right for us it's only the the star trek steaming or streaming app and even then it's only like the new star treks yeah, because you can watch all the other ones on, on and Netflix. literally any other streaming service. Yeah, and it's a much yeah. easier. <laughs> like, they just look better on Netflix. Um, but yeah, Lower Decks is fun. I mean, we've been slowly pulling through Discovery. I definitely see, like, a lot of people have, have told me when we were like, yeah, we watched Discovery. We weren't sh- sure about it. Um, several people, especially queer people, were like, no, you got you just got to move through it. Like they're like that first, that first season's trash. Like every Star Trek has a <laughs> terrible first season. It's a tradition. Except for TOS. TOS is the. Exception. Yeah. Um, but if you can just move past that, it's, it's, it's really good. And I mean, like it's starting to get good. There's like a, definitely a lot of fun moments. Yeah. There are a lot of moments of Anthony Rapp, <laughs> Broadway star of Broadway. Being like, oh my god! I'm sorry. Can I spoil one thing? Can I please spoil one thing uh, about Discovery? Minor spoiler. This is a very okay. minor. Okay. So, um, Anthony Rapp is plays a science officer who's married to a medical officer on the Discovery. Okay. Um, they're both gay, which is great. And um, I mean, I guess. Never mind. Anyway, so so (laughs) it's it's two gay men there. I was like, oh, I guess they'd have to be, but that's not true. One of them could be bisexual. One of them could be pansexual. It's in space. There's so many things to have sex with. Why wouldn't you be pansexual? So anyway, so the two, but the two men, they're married and like they go through this really like horrible traumatic thing. Um, And (sighs) God damn Anthony Rapp looks, looks at his partner's eyes and is like, well, baby, I'll make it up to you 
We'll go to the opera house on this moon. I hear they're doing a production of La Boheme. And when I tell you, I screamed. I screamed at the TV. I think we were eating pistachios. I almost took a fistful of pistachio shells and threw them at the screen. I was so upset. Oh. I was so upset. So would you care would you care to explain this to the 90% of the global population that doesn't understand why this is upsetting you? Please. Yeah. Okay. Um and the 100% of Alex's who are currently listening who don't understand. I it sounds the the frustration is funny, but I don't Wait, I don't what? know the context. Do you not Oh my god. Child. Okay. <laughs> Children, gather around and listen to Anyway, <laughs> I was only able to figure this out from context okay. clues. Um, I can't believe I'm telling you guys, it's like y'all of this in the year of our Lord 2021. Yeah, because it's the year of our Lord 2021, and what you're about to talk about hasn't been relevant for 15 years. Shut up. <laughs> um, Anthony Rapp. Anthony Rapp was one of the original cast members of Rent from the 90s. Like it was his first major role. On um, it was his it it was his first major Broadway role. Um, so he was one of the original cast members of Rent. Rent, Rent we should all remember, is based off of La Boheme, and by based off, I mean it is a word for word translation of La Boheme. Like if you look, like in my music history textbook, because I'm such a fucking nerd that I took that. Um, I took several classes on the history of classical music. Um, But like in my history, in my music history textbook, we had a side-by-side comparison of Will You Light My Candle from Rent and the same song from La Boheme. And when you translate it, it is literally the same fucking words. Um, I think it's originally, is it originally written in Italian or is it originally written in French? Hmm. Anyway. But for him to be like, I'll take you to love a wem baby. <sighs> it's it center, as the kids would say. Fine. Um, he he originated it was um, and he wasn't even one of the good ones. He was Mark, which is the lamest of the rent friends, except for maybe <laughs> Roger, who's also lame, and Mimi, who's terrible. There are two good characters in that entire show. Say, all, all the characters <laughs> in rent terrible. That's not true. No, there's three. Um, Joanne is great, and um, Mimi, her girlfriend, is awful. Is it Mimi? No, Maureen is her girlfriend. Maureen is awful. Mimi is also terrible. They're all terrible, except for Joanne (laughs) (laughs) and Angel. Angel is good. Um, (laughs) and no, I'm just kidding. There was a and Angel's boyfriend is nice. Um, that's it, that's the end of the list. I don't know, it's one of those things where it's like. God damn it. And fucking Wikipedia is like, it's loosely based off of La Boheme. Like, no, it's not. It is a word for word retelling. Um, yes, it was Italian because it was it was a Puccini musical or opera. God damn it. God <laughs> fucking damn it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm cursing a lot. I apologize. You do this a lot when you talk about theater. I do. Uh, no, Tom Collins is cool. Tom Collins is cool because he was the anarchist professor. Um, so like Tom Collins is cool. Angel is cool. Joanne is cool. Everyone else sucks. <laughs> <laughs> also, Mrs. Cohen has a nice patter song in in the in the musical. 
There we go. Those are the four redeeming qualities of Rent. Apparently, there was an illegal production <laughs> of Rent done by a college, done by Towson University in Maryland, um, where... So for those of you who don't know, which I can't believe you wouldn't know this, but um, at the end of Rent, um, so the end of the first act, Angel dies of AIDS. And then at the end of the second act, Mimi, like who's been wandering the streets doing smack or whatever, um, they like they bring her back and like she dies on the table and then like everybody's quiet and she comes back to life and she's like i saw angel there and she told me girl turn around you still have so much time to live and like so she comes back to life and then they they sing the reprise of um seasons of love and and it's and it's beautiful or whatever um this <laughs> this university in maryland which i am just going to flat out say i salute you um the director of this production i I salute you, sir, or ma'am, or non-binary person. I don't know who the director is. But um, so instead of that, they just had Mimi die. (laughs) (laughs) They just had her die. (laughs) She just died. And she just died and like... And then they just like Roger's like holding her lifeless body and they just fade to black. And I was like, you know what? That's the better ending. Oh god. Um, because that's how Lava Wem ends. So that's like the big difference between Lava Wem and, and Rent is in Lava Wem, the the prostitute or the like the sex worker, the sex worker that the musician falls in love with ends up dying at the end of the, the second act. And like that's the big difference between Rent and Love OM is like, they bring her back. Um, and she's like a stripper, not a sex, or she is a sex worker, but she's a stripper instead of being someone who's, who's a full service sex worker. Right. Um, and, but yeah, no. And they, they just, they just, they have the balls to just let her die. And I was like, man, apparently they got sued by the Larson estate and like, it got written about in, um, like several publications, including Playbill. And um, and it was like a huge kerfuffle. Um, and, and, and I just got to say, I salute you. <laughs> good. For, you know what? That was a good change. That was a good editorial change. Oh, goodness. So anyway, um, and apparently there's like another, ver- there, there's like a song, I don't know, you've probably seen it on the YouTube where they have the cast of the Discoveries sing Seasons of Love. And poor Anthony Rapp is just like, belting out the middle tenor part like will you people sing on the fucking note um it's pretty hilarious i think it's pretty hilarious um as as a former fucking theater kid anyway uh so that's it that's what i gotta say about discovery (laughs) i was so angry (laughs) i hear they're doing lava web are they doing lava web anthony rap is that what they're doing (laughs) and just and the, the glint in his eyes and he you could obviously tell that he did like 20 takes he did 20 takes and, and each one of them, he had a little smirk <laughs> and they were like, well, I guess this is the one you didn't bust out laughing in. So this is the one we have to use. In fairness, that character is pretty much always smirking. <laughs> yeah. That's- it could have been worse. They could have said, Hey, I, um, I hear they're performing rent. <laughs> <laughs> that ancient musical. Right, rent. Rent. <laughs> Which, you know, it is kind of ancient now. I, I yeah, I've, I'm going to be honest. I've never seen it. You're fine. Uh, I've heard it, I'm not missing too much. It's 
I think if you were, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you were a little young for the rent craze of the mid 2000s, yeah. or maybe you were just in the wrong headspace for it. Um, yeah. The, yeah, I was, I was probably a bit too young. Yeah. Uh, and by the time I got into the theater program at like school, um, it was already like, Everyone had already moved on to Spring Awakening. I mean, I think that was the one that, that people, came after Rent. People had, it was like, Rent, but sexier. Soon they're just going to be gyrating on stage naked. <laughs> We're just going to reverse it all the way back to hair. I'm sorry. I will not cut you off. It's all right. It's all right. No, I don't I don't have really all that much to say. It's just I remember I remember they had us sing the song uh, from Seasons Rent. Of Love. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, and that's it. Like I never, never saw the play, never saw the movie. Um, the movies. My, my theater teacher. My theater teacher was more obsessed with um, what's it called? Uh, Phantom. Oh god with, damn it! Uh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that was kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, because the movie for that had come out around that same time. Yeah, because I- it was back when Hollywood was like, oh, we could just do we could make a lot of money if we just did like movie versions of musicals. Um, and while and both so, movies are terrible, the movie version of Phantom is terrible on a level appropriate to the <laughs> actual show. Or it's also like, it's just its own. It's just Gerard Butler was not a <laughs> he good cannot choice. Sing. He cannot <laughs> sing. And like, it's not even like, like fucking Russell Crowe can't really sing. But it's like it kind of works in in that version of Les Mis because it was like the goddamn gritty realism version of May, of Les Mis. So like that made it work on a different level where it's like, OK, like you're not you're not that much of a singer, but it's it it, it works within the the reality that we've created. Whereas I with Phantom, I mean, it is it is glitzy luxury phantom Joel Schumacher it's Joel Schumacher right like it's it's luxury it's got the ridiculous Dutch angles um they have a fucking horse for no reason like you know Joel fucking Schumacher movie and and so it doesn't work especially and it especially doesn't work when you when you put him up against Emmy Rossum who is actually a trained opera singer and like had performed on Broadway prior to landing the role of Christine in the Phantom movie. So it, 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 it just does not pair well at all. Um, yeah, it was like that. Yeah. Wasn't that around the same time that we, like we had Sweeney Todd came out. That was yeah. a weird time. That was a weird time for everyone. Um, yeah, that was the other way. Like, I think it's really funny how like musicals go in popularity and there's like one super musical right now. And like, like there's the also rands, but like, there's like every year there's like, this is the one that we're all obsessed with. Um, so like for a period of time, it was Sweeney Todd and then it was spring awakening. And like, you know, before both of those, it was rent. Um, I think right now it was Hades town. Yeah. Um, so it was like actually a good musical. Great Comet was um, the other one that everyone was talking about. Yeah. I like Great Comet. 
I like great. I, I don't know. Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Yeah, you you yeah. would like it. You should listen I, to it, Alex. I listened to like the the first two numbers from it, and I I did enjoy it. <laughs> the 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 first number where they're like, "You're at the opera. You're gonna have to read your fucking program." Yeah. <laughs> like get these names together. Yes, everything's sad and it's in Russian. We're only doing two chapters from War and Peace, so be thankful. I love <laughs> that opening number. I think it's great. Yeah. But um but yeah, so what well, we were talking about Star Trek. I'm uh, sorry, below, I went off below, on a tangent. We were talking about below decks, I think. Um, uh, then we were talking about Discovery. Lower decks. And then we talked about, I talked briefly about Discovery and now we're here. Okay. At the hour and a half mark of our <laughs> of our <laughs> podcast. All right, all right. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything I actually did besides get hype for a thing I'm going to do. Get hyped. Get hype. Um, not really. I haven't really had much chance to talk about a game that um, I, we actually played, Nick, yeah. um, which is Deep Rock Galactic. Have yeah. we had a chance to talk about that on the podcast at all? No, not really. I don't know if there's much to say really about Deep Rock Galactic. Yeah. fun. It's fun. It's it's a game where you go and mine up stuff as like a dwarf. Uh, I appreciate dwarf aesthetic. <laughs> dwarf, dwarf aesthetic is pretty good. It's it's a game that has a lot of like flashing lights and like things happening at the same time. And so as a result, it's something that I have trouble sometimes concentrating on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's like a, if if I'm playing with multiple people, like if it's two people, I can usually deal with it. But I don't know. For some reason, it just kind of gets out of hand with with large crowds. Um, it's only four four players max, which shouldn't be a problem. But I don't know something about the interface. The the user interface just kind of rubs me the wrong way. There's a lot of stuff to keep track of. That is it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what's going on with my brain about that. Be nice if it didn't happen, but that's the way we're that's where we're at right now. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a. I don't know, like some missions are are fun and others are just like a slog. And yeah. uh I mean that's part of you've played more of it than I have. You've played more of it than I have. Yeah, I've been playing a fair amount of it. I think some of the reason why like some of it feels like a slog and some of it goes really quickly is because like the maps are randomly generated. Mm, yeah. So like if you have a map that like is generated in such a way that it's like really simple to get to everything you need to get to then it's just like you know in and out no problem um whereas if you are in like a more complicated map that like it's harder to find your way around that that's usually what causes the problems for me is just like finding the objectives a lot of the time can be a little bit of a struggle yeah yeah if if like what you're trying to get is somewhere up on a ledge or something and yeah or it could be right next to you you know yeah yeah all random uh yeah so i haven't played that in a recent minute but we did play that together uh around like new year's time and i think it just kind of slipped through the cracks when we last had a podcast um i don't know is there anything else that you all have done 
Uh, well, we I, I keep trying to bring up Adventure Time, and it keeps oh, getting sorry. sandbagged. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're fine because like we we watched all of Adventure Time. We finally finished it. I've never we never watched all the way through before, and we were just like, let's let's finish it because Elise wanted to watch Distant Lands, and I'm like, well, I want to watch the like the rest of the main series because like <laughs> I know shit goes down at the end of the series, and I want to watch it. Yeah. So we just like steamrolled through like four seasons of adventure time. We basically God. started from where we knew more or less we had left off. Yeah. Um, and then, and then speed roll sped like through the end. Um, that show goes it, some it places. Goes places. Yeah. It hits, hits some fields. It mostly goes to hey, but, uh, I really want to talk about my experiences taking hallucinogens and like <laughs> the, the, the awakenings and the understandings that I've experienced about myself through say, taking psychotropic drugs <laughs> is, is kind of where that story ends up yeah. going. And also Goodness. a lot about like identity and right. You know, I but know, a lot right. of those things clearly are being <laughs> influenced by the, the creators use of hallucinogenics. Also, I just, I just love how like everybody, yeah, because that show was on for such a long time. It was on for like ten fucking years. It was on for like ten years, and be at the beginning, you know, I remember everybody like having the conspiracy theory of like, oh, this is actually like taking place after a nuclear war. That's why all of the candy people look like that, and that's why like blah 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 blah. And Finn's the last human, and it was just like, yeah, all of that is canon. Yeah, all of that's you know what it, all of that's canon, weird. and it's also not that important to the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what's more important? Doing drugs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there was nuclear war. I don't care. Hey, let's talk about like existentialism, and you know, if there was a god and we killed it, what would happen? Um, that is that is a lot of like the la- the later seasons of Adventure Time, less like. I'm. I feel like we had a similar reaction that we did to Steven watching Steven Universe and Steven Universe Future, um, but in a different way. It was like, hey, like, because Steven Universe was like, hey, remember then the show was about a kid who wanted to get like ice cream shaped like, like cats, ice cream sandwiches shaped like cats, a uh, cookie cat, right? Okay. Now it's about PTSD, trauma, and depression. And also colonialism. And also colonialism. And like I feel like uh I feel like Adventure Time was like, hey, remember this show was about a boy and his dog going on adventures? Yeah, okay. Now it's about um like existentialism. <laughs> yeah. Like where's uh, your like have you ever really thought about like where your place in the universe is and like you know how small we really are in the the grand scheme of like time and space so like hear me out everybody is just getting reincarnated there's like i like there's a like a maybe that's going on in like the very at last episode of the main season of the main series they're like yeah maybe maybe this is what's happening so i don't know (laughs) it's 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 really hard to describe I love Adventure Time 
because it does it does one of my very favorite genres that I feel like is kind of underutilized, which is like post-apocalyptic fantasy. So kind of like Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind? Not like Nausicaa, but more like wizards. Okay. Or like old D&D adventures where it's like, yeah, these great ancient civilizations lived thousands of years ago. And now you live in this shitty little mud village, but you find this like, like ziggurat underneath your village that's filled with unknowable, like magic and evil. Like, I feel like that kind of stuff doesn't get used a lot and adventure time just kind of did it, but it like, wasn't the main focus. Like it was really, it's really weird and like kind of fun how they Mm -hmm. do that setting, but they do that setting in such a way that it's like, it almost doesn't matter to everything else. It's like your hunter from the future. Yeah. Your hunter from the future. I feel like is another one that's kind of like yours, like the shitty version of that. (laughs) But like the shitty fun version, but like, I don't know, Adventure Time takes that same aesthetic and like treats it, it at the same time treats it seriously, but also is like, but this story could really just be said at any time in any place. And like, it's going to tell you the same sort of things. It just happens to be set in this particular time and place. If I guess if that makes sense. Do you, do, do you agree with yeah. me? Like. Like, because the story is so much about, like, yeah, finding your identity and finding your place in the world and, like, where do you really belong? Um, And, like, what does it mean to be, like, a hero? And and what does it mean to love someone? Because that's very much at the heart of, like, the Ice King story. God damn. Yeah, the Ice King. You feel a lot of feelings about the Ice King by the end that you would not expect from those opening episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Um... But like that's like a lot about his his story arc is really about like love and what does it truly mean to love someone. Um, I'm trying to think of like other God. There's a lot about like parenthood mm-hmm. and and raising your children and how do you deal with your parents and how do you deal with your parents when they're not what you expect them to be really shitty dads in adventure time. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you kind of get the, the sense that like, Oh, Jake's a shitty dad, but we've spent so many years like loving Jake and having to like have those. And then like the show is very explicit about like, you know, you can, you can love someone and not agree with everything that they do or every, you know, every decision that they make. And, and sometimes people you love do really shitty things. Like there's very few punches pulled mm-hmm. in those last few seasons. Um, yeah, it's just a wild. It's, it's, it's a pretty wild ride. And then like not even to get into the, the two or three episodes two. that we watched. Two, two so far. Two so far that are like the post show episodes, one of which is about um, princess bubblegum and Marceline. Um, um, who become like an in-canon pairing starting around like one of the, the second to last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to learn more about their relationship. And um, that one, that one was pretty, 
That one was good. I like that one was good. Yeah, I like that one. A, that was I like that one a little bit better than the BMO one, but I like yeah. I like the twist at the end of the BMO. Yeah, story. we won't we won't spoil that for you if you want to go watch it. But there's there's a pretty good twist at the end of BMO's episode. Um, and it's kind of neat to like focus in more. You almost get like a mini movie about these these other characters that don't get as much play in the main series. But then like towards I mean towards the end like. Finn ends up kind of becoming a secondary character. No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Or they, at least there's more episodes there's more that focus stuff... on people other than Finn. Right. But then like, like islands focuses on Finn, but like stakes is more about Marceline. Yeah. And like, they uh... have these like mini arcs, like towards the end of the, the series, they start having these like mini arcs where they hook like a bunch of different episodes together um it's like like little mini series within the series yeah um right. one of them's islands one of them stakes um i feel like there was another one that yeah. i'm forgetting about but i don't remember what it was um yeah there there's a third one that i'm just blanking on the name of right now um what were you saying no that's it that's all i got (laughs) (laughs) um no it's good i like it um it it made me like really want to go like do more like old school dnd adventures because so much of it is clearly taken from old school dnd um and like i feel like there is a difference between like original Dungeons and Dragons and even like AD&D in terms of just like the feel of the adventure because like by the time it got to like AD&D and like um like definitely by like third edition like Dungeons and Dragons had been like so codified into like these are the monsters these are the settings and like even if you make like your own settings you still kind of like Oh, well, they're the same kind of species are there. Whereas like in the original stuff, like people just made shit up. And I like that kind of manic, just make shit up. And like, here's a thing. You've never seen anything like that before. Like, Is that where owlbears come from? Um, to a, I mean, I, I suppose to an extent. I don't know. I'm looking. I, and I think I've talked to you about it. I've been looking more at uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yeah, you've mentioned the system. And I just, I really like what I'm going to call like, like metal album cover (laughs) D&D, where it's just like goofy, weird shit that gets thrown at the wall. And a lot of it doesn't make sense, but you just kind of deal with it. And like Adventure Time gets that feeling so well um that like kind of when it was over i'm like yeah no i want to do more things like this i want to see more things like this which is again i know both of you hated wizards when i finally made you watch it but like that's one of the things that i really appreciate about wizards is it's just like it's just goofy and weird and like bizarre and nothing else is quite like it as opposed to like like i love modern dnd don't get me wrong like i think it's a lot of fun but it is also like it's very like regimented and like sanitized. And I like the kind of anything goes mentality of like the old, like what I, what I think of when I think of like older versions of D and D 
I mm-hmm. get through things like Adventure Time and like Wizards, and I just I wish there was more like that. Um, and like just taking inspiration from all sorts of different things that don't usually fit together. Like, I mean, Adventure Time is basically drawing from, again, like a lot, drawing a lot from the creator's obvious use of hallucinogenics and like the more recent show that he did, um, Midnight Gospel for for Netflix is way more overt about that. Um, right. But like, you can see it in Adventure Time. Uh, and uh, like to the point where they like even talk about like ego death and at, like Finn even mentions uh, what is the name of that chemical? Um, uh, oh, the one that they always make fun of. Um, mm. What's his name? DMT. DMT. Yeah, yeah. There's there is apparently an episode where where Finn gives the entire chemical compound name for DMT. Okay. Um, and I watched the clip and I'm like, oh yeah, no, he's talking about doing drugs there. Cool. Um, where like you take that plus Dungeons and Dragons plus like a boy and his dog, like the movie, and you throw all of those things together. And it's like, yeah, the four elements that make up the natural world, ice, fire, slime, and candy. And those are like <laughs> those are the avatars of like the the four elemental powers and it becomes a really important thing in the later series like i don't know sounds sounds fun it's good uh, e. so are you are you um have you finished your uh <clears throat> have you finished the 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 like post series stuff or are you you still you're completely done with it so far so we've watched everything that's been put out yeah so distant lands is still coming out like they're releasing it every like they're doing like one thing every couple of months now it seems like okay um let's see uh according to imdb what do they say about it Uh, because i did look and i think they're planning on like two to four more episodes of distant lands yeah. Um, all episodes. Uh, yeah, there's two more episodes. They don't have release dates yet, but they do have titles. So episode three is called Wizard City, and episode four is called Together Again. Um, and the first episode came out in June of last year. Second episode came out in November. So who knows when the next one will come out. Okay. So... Some so if you're looking for um like pseudo kids cartoons to watch, um I'm gonna call it pseudo kids cartoons because clearly it's it's not just you know a kids cartoon. Um may I bring to your attention the fact that um Disenchanted news uh season four, I think, came out. Yeah, we started yeah, watching we that. We started watching that one. Um yeah, because my sister it. is currently watching it in the other room as we speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what have you? What do you? What do you think so far? Uh I don't know. I I like. I've always liked Disenchanted, but I feel like it's it's the lesser of the Matt Groening cartoon shows. Like, 
I think that Futurama is the best. And mm. Simpsons is really, really good, but then like got really, really bad. I feel like Disenchanted has just always kind of been okay. And I think the reason for it is it doesn't strike that like balance between comedy and like story the way that Futurama does kind of effortlessly. Because mm-hmm. like I've noticed that the way that the writing for Disenchanted goes is it's Serious story moment, beat, joke about serious story moment, and then continue serious story. As opposed to, like, naturally folding the jokes in as part of the story. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I can see that. Like, go, kind of going back to, like, talking about Dungeons & Dragons for a second. It's like playing a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. And then, you know, off in the corner, someone's like, well, I'm going to attack the darkness and like makes a joke about it. Like, it, that's what disenchantment feels like. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Elise? Like, do you no, I think that's that's fair. I really like the setting. I love the setting. Yeah. Um, and I like the characters, too. But I feel like the humor doesn't come naturally. The, the from writing the is the anymore. weakest. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, I feel like the writing is the weakest element. Yeah. Because, like, the animation, it's pretty... The animation's pretty decent. It's more in the style of Futurama than in the style of The Simpsons. Um, But, like, the the animation is pretty good. There's some good, you know, because it's Matt Greening and they've got some clever animation-only jokes. Um, I think the voice acting is superb. The world-building is very interesting. The world that it's in. I like that... Um, I like that idea and there's, you know, I like how there's like multiple different races and they all kind of interact with each other, but they don't necessarily all get along. Um, you know, it's, it's not middle earth. Um, like it's very much not that, but not necessarily like game of Thrones where they're like, Oh, we're so not middle earth that we don't, we barely have any magic in, in our show. Um, and it strikes like a nice balance. But the writing, and it's not even necessarily like the narrative itself, I think is is interesting. It's compelling. I think that it works on a couple of different levels because you have a lot of it's relationship driven, um, primarily between Bean and like her parents and Bean and her friends and Bean and finding her place in the world, um, which is where like a lot of the narrative comes from. And like, that's kind of like the main, and then you have these other, more world building plot points around like palace intrigue, but everyone's kind of an idiot. Right. So you have like that narrative that is happening consecutive, like side by side um, with being with everything that's happening with being on the flip side, the writing, like Nick was saying, it's not as tight. I would say it's not as tight. It's a little bit, reliant on like haha like people are drinking and and smoking and farting and that's kind of funny because this is like a fantasy world and people don't do that um i think the the jokes especially in that second season i think are, are a little too reliant on that um but that fir- the first season i think was really good yeah 
the free and this is like a problem with a lot of Netflix shows where it's like that first season is so good and the concept is so compelling um that you're sort of willing to like slog through other seasons and then the fourth season is just like well Netflix apparently now only does four season deals with anyone yeah. so, so we got to wrap this all up now we got to wrap this up and like throw like basically caution to the wind and like whatever banana pants idea you had like we will do that see season like, four of Sabrina the Teenage Witch yeah right like you want a musical number great like let's have like a musical number every episode um <laughs> doppelgangers here's five sets of doppelgangers um you know so it's, it's a lot of shit getting thrown at the wall um but i don't know so this is like the last season of it um there's some like interesting ideas i i think i know what the twist is gonna be but i'm not positive so that's kind of got me because there's like this this like sh- thread of a plot line that's been teased if you saw the third season you know that there's other lands and so that's like the the thread that's been like being pulled um throughout the third and fourth season so i'm interesting to see where that unravels um but at the same time it's like sometimes it's like you just feel like you're rehashing a lot of the same bits over and over again especially between bean and her mom like that was really interesting in seasons one and two, but now it's season four and it's like, she learned the lesson that like family's what you choose and like your dad's the better parent and he did the best he could. Um, and it just is like, are we going to learn this lesson again? Like <laughs> do we need to go over, do we need to tread this ground a third time? Um, and that's a little annoying. Um but I don't know. I guess that's it. That's what I got. I, we haven't finished it. Um, and I feel like I'm trying to, I'm trying very hard to talk about it in ways that aren't like too spoilery. That's um, fine. That's fine. But that's, um, that's how I feel about it. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like, um, sounds like, sounds like something that I probably am going to eventually get up to. I saw season one, mm-hmm. uh, and I liked season one and then I just never got back into it. Uh, yeah. So once, once this is over, uh, I'll probably take some time eventually. I know I, I say eventually I'll watch this. Eventually I'll watch that. Yeah. Eventually I'll get to watch uh, the rest of this too. Did you ever finish Sabrina? Cause we didn't talk about it last week. No, I didn't finish Sabrina. Okay. That's the other thing that I was like, eventually I'll finish it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk about did it. You ever, it then. Did y'all ever start She-Ra? No. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> if you're looking for another cartoon to watch, there's always She-Ra. Uh, it got five seasons by splitting seasons three into two. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so do we have... We're kind of closing in on two hours here. Ooh, we yeah. need to wrap this, this, yeah. this puppy up. Do we have any last things that we want to say before we we end this podcast uh, for for this uh, fortnight? Uh, nothing I can think of. I got nothing. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you all for listening uh, to some nerds of a podcast. I'm Alex. Nick. I'm Elise. And 
uh, like once again, we've been some nerds of a podcast. You all have a wonderful time. Bye, everyone. Bye.